right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we're sliding into the slipstream. Episode three. This week, episode three. As always, I am your host, Brent Houston. And it is a sort of windy day. We're expecting some storms here in the central Ohio area. I am coming at you today, still quarantined, day 61, day 61, quarantined for the COVID uh, up here, May 10th, 2020, and welcome to the Slipstream. So, as I said, still here in central Ohio, uh, down in the Hocking Hills, in my compound, and hidden away from everything. It's been pretty safe here. It's kind of nice, too, because... Even after uh, the weather warms up a little bit, you know, in the mornings, it's still pretty chilly. But uh, after the weather warms up a little bit, we can still get outside and walk around. We've got enough room on the compound here to take a few laps and have a little bit of a hike. So uh, that's been kind of nice. That's been keeping us a little bit busy and keeping us from going crazy uh, during this odd time. So... I hope everything's been going well for you folks. I appreciate you listening. And if you're, if you're within the sound of my voice, I hope uh, you and your family are safe and happy and healthy. And know that uh, all of you are in my thoughts. So, what do we got this week on the Slipstream? We got a couple of things going on. We're going to talk about, of course, what are some of the books that I read this week and, and went through. We'll talk a little bit about some of the learning uh, that's been going on around here, some of the experiments we've been doing, uh, not just me personally, but also some stuff that I've got going on here in the Trinity Lab uh, in the compound. And I'll tell you some things I've been watching on TV as well, just to keep my my uh, mind kind of uh, relaxed in the evenings. And of course, as always, we'll close out with a mental model uh, that I use routinely, and I'll talk a little bit about that and what it is that I use it for. So, I hope you're in for the haul. We're here. We're in the Slipstream studio. Uh, it is not an overly beautiful day, so uh, working through it. But it has been a busy, busy week around here for books. Uh, let's see. The first book uh, I covered this this week is called Basic Economics. Basic Economics. And it uh, it was written in the 80s. It's a very interesting book. Still available. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, of course, you'll as always, if I can find it, uh, you'll find the links on the show notes uh, on, the, on the page for the podcast. Uh, Basic Economics. Now, this is an interesting book. As I said, written in the 80s. It's sort of an economic refresher. So if it's been a while since you took Econ 101, uh, this is a good walkthrough. Uh, I listened to the audio version of the book and uh, on 12 minutes, and that took, took a little under 20 minutes to go through. What's really interesting, a couple of things. Uh, because it's, it's dated back to the 80s, the book is uh, pretty much tied up in the sort of competition Cold War space with the Soviet Union. Um, So very interesting kind of refresher, but at the same time a little bit of history there in the tone of it. So uh, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, 
interesting in checking out. There's some really great reviews on the difference between microeconomics and macroeconomics. Um, but really, this is a sort of a, an unapologetic view of free markets and uh, really, you know, kind of a, a couple of the case studies from the 80s uh, around free markets and, and uh, free market behaviors. You definitely come away with the feeling that this person believes that markets are rational um, and that uh, government regulation will always end in disaster. So uh, this book came to me. It was one of the 12-minute uh, books of the week. And, and given that I'm still working my way through uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac, this was a, a good tie-in to some of the stuff I'm reading about uh, Charlie Munger. So uh, Basic Economics, check it out again. I'll uh, hopefully have a link to it here in the show notes. Uh, let's see. The second book I went through this week, uh, one of my favorite guys named Jocko Willink. He's just, he's just a really energetic, serious guy to listen to. Uh, pardon my language, he's a real badass. He uh, was commander of SEAL Team Bruiser and uh, saw some significant combat time. Uh, but he came out and he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership is the title. Um, and it's really a SEAL's approach to business. And it, it ties back to sort of how to identify uh, different parts of your business uh, in, in combat theory. Um, it teaches some mechanisms that the SEALs use to make better decisions under pressure. Uh Pretty, pretty interesting. One of the big takeaways from this book is that, um, you know, in, in combat situations, SEALs are trained to really keep their mind open and look at different possibilities. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, the fact that they, even under stress conditions like that, they're taught to sort of consider a wide range of possible reactions to any given situation. But then... Once they've made their decision, and this is this is critical, uh, Jocko really hammers on this in the book. Uh, once that decision is made, they prioritize what they need to do, and they only focus on executing one thing at a time. Once that thing is completed, then they'll open their mind to possibilities again, find their set of actions, possible actions, prioritize those and execute on the most important. Um, now, that isn't to say that mission change doesn't occur. Uh, of course, conditions change, and you have to be aware of that. But Jocko's point here is look at all of the possible actions and projects and initiatives that you have in front of you. Pick the one that's most important, prioritize that, and execute on it. Uh, and, and you'll find yourself to be uh, significantly more successful. And this is something I really struggle with as a business owner. Um, as many of you know, I'm sort of a parallel entrepreneur. Uh, I have a lot of uh, a, sort of a lot of fires going at any given time. And uh, I really need to do better at this myself, looking across that spectrum of possibilities, finding the one thing that is the most and highest priority, and then executing that through to completion before I move on to the next thing. So, uh, a point well taken, Jocko, from uh, Extreme Ownership. Uh, third book this week, a book called Talking to Humans 
Talking to Humans. And this is a really good uh, book about sort of product research methodologies. Um, if you're if you're going to come to market with a product, how do you decide? Uh, you know, sort of what the target audience is going to be. How do you scope out questioning an audience um, or a potential market? Uh, what questions do you ask? What what does, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the term N equals 1 in an experiment, self-experimentation, what does N need to equal to make a viable market? Um, very interesting. Uh, a lot of time in the book as well spent on the value of good questions. And if you, uh, you know, if you're like me, I actually I carry around a list on my uh, devices of the best questions, uh, and I find that I, I return to them time and time again, those same questions. And, um, you know, I, I think probably, you know, a lot of folks ask right now, like, what are those questions? What are some of the questions, uh, you know, that, that Brent uses? I'll just pop up uh, the key question list. There's about 22 here, uh, sourced from different places, different uh, reading of course, the one I return to most often and that I've found to be the most powerful comes from Tim Ferriss. And that is, what would this look like if it were easy? What would this look like if this were easy? And I use this one a lot of times. I, I will think about to myself, I have this problem. If I could solve it in the easiest possible way, if it were already solved, what would that look like and how would it have occurred? And, and that really works for me. Um, another one that is, is really, really, uh, useful for me is sort of the idea of, uh, if, if you couldn't do anything, add anything to your solution, but you could only subtract things to get to your solution, would that help you? Again, Tim Ferriss, uh, fantastic, uh, source for that. Um, and I've got a few others. In fact, maybe uh, I'll add that to the podcast in an upcoming week. We'll talk through uh, some of these uh, key questions um, between Tim Ferriss and uh, Tony Robbins and uh, Kevin Kelly and Josh Waskin and Jocko Willink. I mean, I've, I've built these questions over and over again and in the years uh, that I've been doing reading from, from these folks. so uh, But this book, Talking to Humans, really covers the value of good questions. And uh, I think there's it's, it's got a good start for how to build your own uh, question list. So check that out. Uh, let's see. The next book I read this week, this came from uh, Bill Gates, actually. Uh, I was watching a podcast... Uh, no, it wasn't a podcast. It was a TED Talk. And he was uh, covering uh, some of his ideas around the epidemic. And then he talked about what is some of his favorite material. And uh, in that was uh, a book called Enlightenment Now. Enlightenment Now by Pinker. And um, this is really, again, this is a, a fantastic read. Um, it it really covers the age of sort of rationality and it goes back, it traces back to the history of the enlightenment and then talks about the continued rise of sort of science and humanism on a global scale. 
And uh, the message of the book is really good. I mean, it starts by examining uh, sort of how we got to where we are today, and, and it closes with really an idea that things are not uh, as bad as they seem. They're, that they're actually getting better, and he lays out some metrics and use cases as to why globally things are actually getting better despite the populism, uh, sort of rise of populism. And uh, just a really fantastic book. Bill Gates said this, if you could only read one book this year, make it Enlightenment Now. Uh, I didn't, I, I, of course, I'm not going to just read one book, but uh, I did take that to heart and I checked it out, Enlightenment Now. Uh, lastly, this week, I the last book for the week, I read a book called Mini Habits. And this is really, this is a great little book. It's a, it's a fantastic quick read. It's almost the size and thickness of Who Moved My Cheese. So you can kind of read it in a lunch hour. Um, pretty, pretty good. Uh, really talks about, starts out with willpower versus habits. Um, covers some sort of uh, ideas around higher level thinking. And then how to really take your goals and tear them down into the very tiniest steps that are needed to to drive change and it comes up with a pretty good methodology for how to do that tear down and how to establish what you might call minimum viable goals uh really minimum viable goals and the use cases are pretty fun and pretty clean and uh so i would urge you to check it out many habits it's sort of the power of doing small things and measuring the impact that small things have in your life. So uh, I really, really suggest that. Uh, let's see. I'm still finishing up my class on, uh, you know, sort of modern Buddhism in the time of uh, crisis. Got a couple more sessions of that class to go. Should probably finish that this week. It's been fascinating. Uh, the last few days have been really uh, great in that material. Uh, they've been covering a lot about the history of sort of some of the core ideals of Buddhism. Um, and there's a lot of conversation about different uh, mindfulness techniques besides the sort of standard Vipassana, follow your breath uh, sort of exercise. And um, some great insights there about making sure that meditation is a joyous part of your life and um, some different exercises that I, I hadn't run into before, like the naming exercise where uh, you sort of flit your attention around the room and you begin by naming uh, that object and uh, then you sort of uh, move your attention inward and you start to name your emotions um, and it, it, I've tried this now a few times based on the class and, uh, I do, I find it to be very relaxing, um, and a great abatement to, to stress and, and anxiety. So, um, really just coming along in that class, I think it's, it's well spent, uh, time. I'm, I'm, and I'm greatly enjoying it. Um, I also, this week I took a, a what I would call a class, but uh, another person that I really like is uh, Dr. Peter Atia. Uh, that's Peter A T T I A. If you want to look him up on the internet, uh, Peter Atia. He's sort of a doctor, uh, medical doctor, but he's um, very much into longevity and ketosis and self-experimentation and movement, uh, simplicity, that kind of stuff. 
very, very cool. Kind of runs in in uh, some of these same circles as like Mark Sisson and um, some of those folks. Um, so I took, uh, he published out back in 2017 uh, a couple of uh, different sets of exercises that are routines to prep for harder physical exercises. So uh, I've been pursuing deadlifting as a pretty significant form of uh, weightlifting here in the, since the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm only about two months in. Um, but he released a set of exercises that are prep for uh, doing any heavy lifting or heavy exercise. They're sort of muscle warm-up and muscle activation, and they help to, to get rid of adhesions. Um, and so uh, I started doing those and, and trying to memorize those routines this week. And uh, that I will tell you the first couple of times it was a little painful, but uh, it did help my deadlift. So uh, always feel free to check that out. Peter Atia, pretty much anything he does is, is good stuff. Um, I haven't run into anything of his that I didn't like. He's a little controversial when it comes to ketosis. Uh, he may push ketosis a little harder than than some people are comfortable with. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing, check it out, Peter Atia. Now, this has been a, a week full of experiments. Um, I started writing uh, some posts on Medium and trying to monetize some of my writing uh, this week. So I've made a couple of posts up there on Medium now and uh, signed up as a Medium writer and Got some of that stuff going and and uh, starting to actually get a little mileage. Hopefully, I'll write a few posts a week and and get those up on uh, Medium and and uh, hopefully you'll see those. Enjoy enjoy reading them. Um, so far, the couple I've written are cybercrime related, but uh, I intend to also do some forensics, some intelligence, maybe even some expat stuff and some experimentation stuff. A little writing about the lab. Um, so that's been going on. Uh, I did switch up part of my exercise routine, uh, started this week. I really switched to an early morning, uh, walk on the treadmill routine. So now while I'm listening to audiobooks and book summaries, and, uh, while I'm listening to the audio and watching the video for the different classes that I'm taking, uh, I'm doing that while I'm walking on the treadmill, and uh, I will tell you, it's making the time go faster. I'm enjoying it, and it does feel good to get a little movement uh, in there. So uh, you can try that. I just, I just uh, built a little shelf to stick on the wall there. Uh, actually, I'm lying. My my brother-in-law built the shelf for me, but uh, I just stuck it up on the wall there uh, above the treadmill, and I can put the iPad up there and throw on my. Uh, ear pods and and uh, go on the treadmill while I'm while I'm normally would be sitting uh, to do some of this stuff. So hopefully we'll see if this makes a difference. I know uh, just in the first week I could it seemed like walking in the morning helped loosen up my hips a little bit better. I felt better while I was doing my deadlifts even, which I do after that. So uh, that's a good good thing. Also did a little bit more uh, working with the fishing kits. Um, so as you probably have heard, if you've been listening to the podcast or, or, uh, if you talked to me recently, I'm doing a lot of research for, uh, myself and some of my mentees around the, econ- the economics of fishing kits, uh, the evolution of fishing kits, how they're sold, how they're built, how they're marketed, uh, that kind of stuff. So pretty interesting stuff. I'll probably do a whole slipstream on those coming up soon, or maybe a state of security but I'll, I'll be sure to let you know 
Um, I do have some state of security recording slots coming up in the next few weeks, too. I'm uh, going to be doing some more interviews and sharing some more research that we've done uh, in the lab. So I'll have a couple of those up. Um, as you know, those are periodic. They they sort of come and go. Uh, but that's that's the deal. All right. What have I been watching this week? I hope you've been uh, checking out some of the shows I've been recommending. Um, this week is all about Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, I've been watching a series called Defending Jacob, which has Chris Evans in it, uh, the guy who played uh, Captain America from the Avengers. He uh, also directed the series. Really, really well written, well done. A little slow to start, the first episode to get into. Um, but uh, now I'm, I'm uh, four or five episodes in, and I really do like it. Uh, it's about a guy who is a district attorney, uh, there's a murder in his neighborhood, and his son becomes the primary suspect. So uh, pretty high tension, a little bit dark. Uh, the photography is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. If you like filmmaking and cinematic art, uh, the transitions in this series, and even in the introduction uh, to the series, but certainly throughout the series, the transition shots the cinematography of the entire show is just brilliantly done it's just absolutely breathtaking um so you know really check that out i i I can't recommend it enough defending jacob uh is it is the name of it now i will tell you the other thing this week i i happen to have a couple of hours uh yesterday where i could just sort of sit down and chill out and um, I got to tell you, I had a blast watching the Beastie Boys movie. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, the Beastie Boys harken back to when I was in high school and college and uh, just sort of starting out my, my hacking career. Um, and, of course, you know, my friends and I used to listen to it. I hung out with a lot of skaters and some of those guys. Um, and so we used to listen to this stuff a lot and I, I loved Beastie Boys, uh, and I loved watching them sort of become the band that they were. And this is a fantastic sort of tell all as told by Mike D and Ad-Rock. Um, of course, uh, Adam Yauk unable to be with them, you, you know, he passed away. Um, but uh, they start at the very beginning, how they met in middle school and used to skip school and, and the birth of rap and, and uh, all the way through the beginnings of Def Jam Records and the launch of License to Ill and then, of course, their downfall and uh, then kind of rebuilding their careers and really reinventing themselves as musicians. But it's really, it's told with Ad-Rock and, and Mike D up on stage, and there's video behind them, and uh, produced by Spike Jones. Just a phenomenal couple of hours if you're a Beastie Boys fan. Uh, I really I really can't tell you enough. It was fun. It was engaging. The stories were associable, and it really harkened back to uh, a time when I guess I was more innocent uh, <laughs> we all would like to hope so anyway. Uh, I, I can't even say that with a straight face. But um, uh, still, if you like the Beasties, uh, check them out. If you like rap music, check it out. It's a great bit of history, some great stuff in there. Um, 
and uh, can't can't uh, tell you, recommend it enough. Really fantastic. So it's also on uh, Apple TV Plus if you're looking for it, uh, and I think you can rent it on Apple as well. Um, all right, uh, closing out this week with mental models that I use a lot. Um, the mental model I'm going to cover this week is literally systems thinking. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of cover what it is. You can kind of start to think about whenever you try to solve a problem using systems thinking, or if you had a goal that you wanted to achieve, it's, it's instead thinking about how are the efficient, optimized steps to get there. And I do this in a couple of ways. The, the first way I start is, uh, with like with many problems, I invert the problem. If it were already solved, what does the solution look like? And I try to imagine and visualize that solution. And then I think about, okay, what would the outputs of that solution be, right? So, um, you know, what are the what are the outputs of a systemic approach that got me there? And then, looking from where I am right now, what are the inputs? What are the inputs that I have? Was Is that data? Is that resources? Is that a set of skills that I think I'm going to need? Um, and so now I have inputs and outputs, right? Inputs and outputs and a completed state. And now just like building software, you're stuck at that point of how do you go from inputs to outputs? But I can now start to think of it systemically. I can start to break it down from my inputs. I first have to do this and then this, and I pretty much am able to define, you know, sort of a jot list of milestones of steps that need to be taken to get to the output. And once I have that, then I can start to do things like build prototypes. I can start to identify what is the risk, what are the resources, what are the costs in money, time, and attention, for different parts of the system. Um, and then, you know, the, the nice thing about systemic thinking as well is once you've built this process, even if it's only ideated and it's not actually prototyped yet, a lot of times you'll see where you can pick up efficiencies and you can reduce resources. So you sort of can optimize those steps to get you to that minimum viable product. So this is called systems thinking. Um, very, very interesting. There's some great Wikipedia stuff about systems thinking, some great uh, books out there as well if you want to check it out. Uh, that's how I do it, and I use this for just about everything um, when I'm solving problems. So that's it. We've been going about 27 minutes so far. Just want to say thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying Slipstream. I am enjoying making this podcast. I'd have to say I haven't had this kind of fun in a while. It's very, very cool to get to uh, sort of talk through what I've been doing each week, and it's a good anchor for me. Um, But it wouldn't happen, really, without you folks. So thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. I hope you're safe, well, happy. I hope you have a great week, and I hope it's a, a blessed time. I'll see you here next week for the Slipstream. Until then, I'm out.